This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3108 for Wednesday the 1st of July 2020. Today's show is entitled Fugita as a Desktop. It is hosted by Zenfloater2 and is about 52 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is I cover all the wonderful things about using Fugita as your desktop. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Well, last show I gave was over Fugua to server, and now I'm doing one over Fugua to laptops and desktops, because you can also make a desktop out of Fugua to. And uh, Fugua to is again based on OpenBSD. It is designed to run from a CD-ROM or a USB stick, or it could be a USB hard drive, or it could be installed on your hard drive. Faguita is the kind of an operating system that um, basically has loadable class instances you can create on one USB stick, for instance. The setup for a Faguita server, like I did in the last audio, and also have your Tor server in another instance, and yet in another instance maybe have another desktop and another desktop and another desktop. Right now I'm using the ICE window manager setup which is provided by Faguita. Um, now how you create these instances when you download the CD or DVD image, the ISO image, uh, and you first boot it up you'll pick zero for um, when the options start flying up on the screen. You pick zero for fresh boot and it'll ask you to enter your keyboard type and help you set up your network if it can. Remember OpenBSD doesn't include any firmware drivers at all. So in order to get your network cards working and other peripherals and even good Intel support <coughs> you'll uh, you'll have to install the drivers. You can either install the drivers by uh, downloading them from firmware.openbsd.org um, their FTP site. In this case I'm using OpenBSD 6.7 so you download all those firmware drivers and put them to a hard drive somewhere that has an EXT2 file system so the operating system can read it. And then follow the man pages. I believe it's uh, FW underscore update space dash P for a path and then give it the path to the drive that you've mounted and it will uh, download the appropriate drivers. If you'd like all of them installed, do a FW underscore update space dash A and then dash P for the path. 
and that will install all of the drivers. And then you'll have to go through the process of setting up your network and everything else after the uh, initial boot because um, unless you're just plugged into an Ethernet port, which is the only way you're going to get access without drivers. Uh, uh, if you're plugged into an Ethernet port, then it's, it's fairly easy. You just go through the setup, hit DHCP. When it, when it comes to that point, it'll ask you to set up your host name and, and fully qualified domain name. Uh, gave a root password uh, and then it'll just boot up and when it boots up log in as root do an FW underscore update and that will get all the drivers loaded you need for that machine and hopefully bring up your Wi-Fi card if that is supported and we have a driver for it it'll also uh, bring in the Intel drivers uh, that you need for Intel DRM. Now, all the Fuguita images, none of them are UEFI supportable. So, if you have a machine that you're going to install to that's UEFI, you have to make a UEFI bootable disk to install that machine, which means that you either need to run it the ISO in QEMU and make one from there or find a machine that is a 64-bit machine that, that doesn't require UEFI that can boot in normal BIOS so that you can create your own UEFI install disk because Fuguita can, can create a copy of itself. It, it can create different kinds of install images for USB drives. You know, little USB stick drives. The utility you use after you get up and root and get your drivers installed to do that with is called USB FADM. Let me type that again to make sure I got that right. USB FADM, that's correct. And when you pull that utility up, you can hit a question mark for help. And the command that you want to run to make your own drive is new drive and just go through there and hit the options. Um, you can make a dedicated UEFI, you can make a dedicated legacy BIOS, or you can make a hybrid which is a combination of both so that you've made a USB key disk that uh, will boot on either kind of machine, which is what I typically do because I have still have more legacy BIOS machines than I do UEFI. By the way, I'm making this recording to you using a Lenovo IdeaPad 330 that I picked up for $189. I mean, this is like a $700 machine, and it's brand new. And uh, everything on it is supported except for the Wi-Fi driver in here. It's probably a little too new, but uh, the touchpad and everything works. And I've built an ICE Window Manager desktop in it. And uh, this particular laptop will also boot from an SD card and I've installed my UEFI image to the SD card and wiped out Windows. I'm a Windows killer. <laughs> Isn't that cool, boys and girls? <coughs> I hate Windows, and I'm sure most of you would rather not use Windows if you had the choice. There'll, there'll still be a few diehards in there. But at any rate, um, there you go. You use the USB FADM utility and then type in question mark to get a help 
screen and you'll see new drive in there and that's how you make a new drive and if you have a machine uh, that supports UEFI like I do and uh, supports booting from an SD card by the way this is the first machine I've ever had that'll boot from an SD card I've got three of them that'll read and write from an SD card but it won't boot from an SD card so I put my Fagility image on the SD card reason being is I've got three USB ports here or I'm sorry two USB ports and I don't want them tied up with Fagulita and there's no CD-ROM or DVD player in this machine so I can't boot off of that so um, I chose to put it on an SD card and, and it's worked out quite nicely <clears throat> anyway go ahead and make your bootable media whatever you choose there either a USB drive a little thumb drive or an SD card uh, like I've done you know, I just went to get a cheap little full-sized SD card. I think it's 64 gigabytes at Walmart for, what is it, 12 bucks or whatever they charge. It's not much. And installed my image to that. And that's what I run off of. So when I take the SD card out and put it in my pocket, put it in my wallet or my uh, my pants pocket, this laptop is essentially a brick. It's It's got an encrypted drive on it that holds my home directory and it won't boot and no one can see what you're doing in fact if I thought about it I might have put tiny core Linux at the beginning of it just so if I was at the airport which I don't go to the airport by the way but if I was at the airport I'd have something to boot up to show security just to make sure the machine worked if they asked anyway uh, you'll find several commands on there for instance uh, the command target uh, after you finish installing your new drive, Target will help you set up your USB device for sync and info. It lets you pick the USB device. Fagulita always stores uh, its information in the D partition, uh, the, the disk label D partition. All BSDs pretty much work by disk labels unless you're running, you know, um, uh, no, I forgot the name of the operating system. The one was ZFS. Oh, FreeBSD. Yeah, I don't ever use FreeBSD, but yeah, FreeBSD used to use that functionality, but no longer uh, uses uh, disk labels or disk partitions um, with ZFS. But uh, OpenBSD still uses the, I guess they call it a disk partition or disk label and it writes uh, writes out a BSD disk label and you have um, I think you can create up to um, something over 10 partitions I believe anyway it always uses the D partition as its area for syncing data there's also a save as command where you get to name the volume that you're going to build for instance I have I use save as to create one for FuguServe for my server I have another one used uh, for console which is just straight console no X I have another one built for my ice window manager which I call X capital X and so on and so forth you can even build um, XFCE desktop in here if you want Anyway, I'll tell you how you make your desktop next. He's got a utility in here called, um, and let me pull it up, it's called uh, 
DTJ setup. And when you run DTJ setup, it gives you all kinds of options for what kind of desktop you'd like to build if you're trying to build a desktop. And you got your choice of the XSCE, Mate, Lumina, or LXQT that he'll build for you. He'll build one for you that's based on the Rocks filer. Or you could have no desktop, a window manager only like CWM, FVWM, TWM, Ice Window Manager, Fluxbox, or JWM. Or if you like Window Maker like I do, you can just install TWM and change everywhere in the configuration files that it says TWM to, to WMaker and you've got it. So anyway, I'm running uh, the Ice Window Maker, which is his favorite, by the way. Ka's favorite, Kawamoto, the man who makes Figuita based on OpenBSD. And I'm going to pull up his website here, read his full name, because I don't think I've ever done that in one of my videos. But Figuita.org and his Yashir Yashihiro Kawamata. Yashihiro Kawamata. And he goes in emails short KAW call, which is the first three letters of his last name. Yushihiro. I'm sorry, Yush Yashihiro Kawamata. Anyway, he's a very nice man, and he's got his email address up there in his Facebook account. Uh, the Japanese are, are strange people. I, I don't know anybody that would want to be on Facebook. Maybe there are a few of them here on Hacker Public Radio, but. Um, I remember when Facebook first came out, I set up an account and posted my first message, and uh, they locked me out and asked me for my telephone number, and I wouldn't give it to them, so they deleted my account. So my Facebook experience was very short and brief, because I did not want to have a website that would telemarket to me. Um, never joined Twitter either, by the way social sites about the only one you'll find me on uh, is Gab because uh, oh I'm not uh, a, a, an extremely right wing person I'm kind of left of right where the world seems to be getting so radical left and wild that uh, I can't follow them but at any rate I can be found on Gab and I can be found here I also have video channels on BitChute and Library, under Zen Floater 2, which uh, I have made some videos in the past. Haven't made it in a while. Maybe I should make another one covering this subject. But I find the Fagulita desktop, the OpenBSD desktop, to be a great one. In fact, on another laptop, I have GNOME 3 installed. You can't install GNOME 3 or KDE in Fagulita because uh, the daemons that um, are necessary to run in those won't run in Fagua because of the nature of the operating system running from memory. But uh, the ICE window manager works quite well and uh, let's see how much memory I'm using right now. While I'm making this recording I'm on a uh, I'm only using 3.7 gigabytes of my memory. So I've got a lot left and I've got basically a 10 gig swap partition I've got a 20 gig uh, D partition to save my configuration. And as I said, my home is on the back end of the drive, which is over 900 megabytes. 
encrypted storage. And I went on ahead and randomized the entire drive so that um, even in, in OpenBSD, even the swap is encrypted. Everything's encrypted. So if anybody ever steals this laptop, they're going to basically get a whole lot of nothing. A whole lot of nothing. And for my Wi-Fi, I have a, um, a little Wi-Fi dongle that I bought at Walmart. I bought two of them for $15 or something like that. They were very cheap. We got them through their mail order. They mailed them to my house when I started playing with OpenBSD some 10, 12 years ago. So this is really an old, very old dongle, but it's well supported. And it's got a little blue glowing light on it. And uh, it's plugged into one of the two USB ports that I have. And then I bought a, um, a hub, a USB hub, to plug into the other open USB port I have that has like five or six, well, it's got five plugins on it, apparently. I'm counting them. Is it five or four? No, it's got four, I'm sorry. It's got four plugins. And I can actually mount other encrypted USB hard drives, like I've got a a four terabyte hard drive and a two terabyte or two point nine terabyte hard drive over here, both encrypted. And I can also plug in um, an ex external keyboard and mouse if I so desire to use those. If I'm going to do some long typing instead of the keyboard that's on this machine. So at any rate, if you have a UFI machine, you will not be able to boot a Faguita ISO or file system that you get off of his site because none of them are UEFI ready. You have to make your own using the USB FADM utility and new drive and selecting the right options uh, from a machine or QEMU um, if you happen to be running Linux. And then from there, you can build whatever you want. And the rest of it requires some reading, how to make an encrypted drive and everything else. It involves the biocontrol module. And I'll just discuss briefly how OpenBSD handles encrypted drives. You know, when you do it in Linux with crypt setup, uh, crypt setup does not allow you to use UUIDs. At least it didn't the last time I used Linux. They may have changed that now. But once you've made a drive in Linux that's encrypted, it shows up in what is it, crypt or uh, dev, crypt, mapper or something like that, and then the name of whatever you created. In OpenBSD, it's completely different. When I use BioControl to create an encrypted drive, let's say I've plugged in a drive, SD0 being my main hard drive, SD1 being the next one that plugs in, let's say, that I've got either installed or I've just plugged in from a USB port. Um, if I encrypt SD1, I, I randomize it and then I run BioControl on it to make an encrypted, fully encrypted partition. Uh, it will pop up, the system will pop up an SD2 drive that I can then put another disk label on and partition that with the fast file system. And, and you'll create a fast file system. So the way OpenBSD does it is they create a new drive letter for you. And I, I find that more intuitive and easier to work with. Also, 
BioControl works with UUIDs. It always has. So everything that I put in here, including the everything that's an FSTAB on an OpenBSD box or is hooked up to it as an external drive or another internal drive, is all marked with UUIDs and everything is mounted with a UUID. You can still mount dev-sda or dev-i'm sorry dev-sd0a or dev-sd0d you know that way the the uh, what would they say uh, that's the the emblem or um, Oh God! What would be would be the terminology for Linux's SDA, SDB versus a UDI yeah, versus a, a a UUID identifier? Um, it's it's sort of a, a pseudo name for the drive. Whereas OpenBSD uses SD1, SD2, SD3, SD4, all the way up to I believe SD9, or maybe they've gone beyond that now. You, you can have uh, a, a drives hooked up to one, an OpenBSD box, whereas with Linux, I think it's pretty much unlimited. I, I don't think they have a limit in Linux or FreeBSD on how many drives you can hook up to. But in OpenBSD, it's, there is a limit. There's, it's, I think it's less than 16. 16 or less, or maybe it's 15 or less. They just recently expanded that with 6.7. And of course, when they finally go to the, uh, the Hammer 2 file system, uh, all of this will disappear and they'll have to come up with another schema because I'm sure the Hammer 2 file system uses UUIDs too in some extent. If we, I know when you're playing with ZFS, no one thinks about pseudonames for drive letters or their UUIDs. They just think about pool names. So we'll all be playing the pool name game, I guess. So you'll have to come up with a unique pool name. But anyway, I love OpenBSD on a laptop because there's no way I can ever get these drives confused I have little scripts to hook them up by UUID that I created. I store in my root directory for like my my external drives, and uh, no matter how I plug them in, which way the system boots up, it always figures out what drive needs to go with what mount. <laughs> and I'm telling you, my world gets so crazy. I'm I'm so happy that they have UUIDs because I I must have six or seven of these drives, and I. If, if I had them all plugged into a large machine uh, like this server that I built, I'd go crazy trying to figure it out. You know, every time you boot, the BIOS would rearrange how the drives came in. Uh, I'm glad that we have UUIDs to connect all that together because without it, we'd be in a world of hurt. We certainly would. But anyway, uh, OpenBSD is a little different uh, than, than Linux. Even with Swap, as I said, all Swap partitions are encrypted and they have the traditional swap on command for bringing on board a swap who finds any OpenBSD swaps and swaps are always in the B partition by the way and they can be of any size swap partitions are also identified by UUID the drives A through P are all the ones that you get, I believe, uh, within a BSD disk label. And the disk label itself is what holds the UUID. So first you find the disk label, which is going to be what an eight or 10 digit scrambled set of letters and numbers. And then a period and then A, B, C, D, whatever. 
C is effect drive uh, that just basically gives you the total size of the drive. You can't actually use C, it's just for information. So you have A, which is normally your root file system in an OpenBSD box, B, which is your swap, C again is for information, and then D through P are all the other partitions that you'd make for your data. Um, this allows OpenBSD to set controls on each one of the partitions. For instance, in the user local partition, they have it set up especially uh, so that it signals the operating system by the way it's set up that this partition um, is allowed to um, do mem special kinds of memory addressing whereas the rest of the OpenBSD partitions are not. Um, anything that's part of the base system of OpenBSD has uh, been way that um, you can't um, address memory or allocate memory uh, in what they consider incorrect ways and that's part of their security system. Part of their security system. OpenBSD also is the only operating system in the world that I'm aware of that has 64-bit time. So when that date comes along, the year 2035 or 36, whenever it is, that all the Unixes and Windows and everything in the world will have their date system broken and they'll quit working. Kind of reminds me of the Y2K scare. Remember when they made movies about airplanes falling out of the sky because they couldn't go past the year 2000 on their computers? Anyway, we'll be facing that again on that day, except OpenBSD won't. OpenBSD also has a 64-bit file system that it installs with as of 6.7. Even, even the operating system is under a 64-bit file system. That's on all versions, um, except for one port of OpenBSD that's on a strange system that I, I don't know who uses it, but it's, it's a strange, small legacy system. But... Um, yeah, all the ports of OpenBSD for the most part have now 64-bit file systems too. Uh, as of with OpenBSD 6.7. So that gives you a lot of extra redundancy. I installed OpenBSD 6.7 on a test server and pulled the power cord on it several times and I could not get it to crash the file system like I did with previous versions of OpenBSD that I complained about in my previous audio. So I think they finally got that ironed out. There's enough redundancy in that file system that it's it's hard to create a system that can't auto-reboot. So on my main server, I went on ahead and just installed OpenBSD because you do get a little extra security and um, actually a little more, um, a little better, more memory usage, you know, than Fuguita on, on that regard. You know, because Fuguita does use a little memory, a little system memory to run. So I've rearranged that and installed OpenBSD in my main server and and uh, did some refinements in the networking, which I'll publish in a later, as soon as I get Crypt DNS, proc, uh, DNS Crypt Proxy working the way I want it, I will do that audio again and we'll talk about it. But... Um, I just love Faguita for the desktop. 
I still love it for servers because I can still take my Fugu serve instance and just plop it down on any machine. If I'm in a classroom environment or anything, just to demonstrate it to students and other people. And uh, it's great. The other huge advantage to it is that I can take this now that it's set up and I can quickly install it on another machine in like 30 minutes because I've got all my configuration files set up I've got everything set up all I'd have to do is maybe change the Wi-Fi settings in Etsy for whatever new Wi-Fi card I'd get in the laptop move my data in you know in other words wipe out Windows randomize the drive wipe out Windows install an encrypted home partition and then set up an appropriate swap and departition for the drives syncing from memory when you shut down Faguta you have to sync to D drive to save everything in D drive so when it boots up it pulls back out of D drive per how you set the no asks configuration file in the D drive it searches for the D drive and, and looks for no asks that file name and that file name you set it up on how you want this machine to boot so I can take this SD card or USB stick that has the current version of Faguita whatever patch that this is we're fixing to come up on patch set 10 they just released patch set 10 um, this last week uh, I can plug that into this machine instantly change the base of the operating system out without having to upgrade it and mess with all that and it will read my swap, it'll read the D drive, and it'll read my home directory and set it all up for me so that I have the same exact environment that I had on the previous machine. I, you know, I can port this desktop around to anyone. In fact, if I have a friend that likes it, I could set it up for them and just change the username and password and, you know, root name remove some SSH keys and they've got a completely working system on clean out Google of course you know clean out Chrome or Firefox whatever you're using the config files and in the data you know wipe out my user account completely and uh, set them that they'd be very happy with using the system runs from memory just as the Google server did so if you have an SSD uh, the other advantage is you're not hitting that SSD all the time. You know, I might have my laptop up for two, three weeks before I decide to take it down and move it, you know, from maybe the kitchen counter to the living room or something, or go downstairs with it um, into the basement. Um, and when I do, I'll use USB FADM utility to sync memory back to the hard drive. So you're writing to your SSD virtually once every week or two or however many times you reboot to save everything that you've done in your system and then when you start the machine back up it'll pull it all from the SSD or hard drive and put it back into memory and, and get you into running mode again so this is so much better than installing operating systems on hard drives and having to go through hours of setup you know when you've got a good setup that works why should you have to redo it over and over again it's silly. I think that's one of the reasons why people like MX19.2 so much is you can do essentially the same thing. It's just that MX19.2 and the other Linux USB bootables, you know, puppy Linux, whatnot, they don't have instances like Faguita does. 
In other words, it would be difficult for you to set up a server or a Tor server or something and make that an instance and put it on an actual server. First place, it wouldn't be very secure because it's Linux. I mean, you could do it with MX19. It's basically Debian. I mean, you'll get about as much security as anybody else does that's running Linux. But you can't do it by instance. So everything is a set of classes with an OpenVSD. It's like, you know, everything is very well thought out. Um, for instance, UUIDs for the drives. They're the first ones to use that. Encrypted swap. 64-bit time. 64-bit file systems. The first people to, to actually implement one of those. In, in the fast file system, anyway. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. And uh, talking about swap, yes, yeah, swap on is the command you use from root to bring up a swap system. Faguita automatically detects any swap partitions and will automatically mount them, but you'd use swap on if you were making one on another drive and just decided you need some extra swap partition. OpenBSD uses swap partition much different than Linux. Linux just throws bits and pieces down there. Whereas if you have only 4 gigabytes of RAM and you've got 6 gigabytes of operating, including programs, uh, guess what? It's going to throw 2 or 3 gigabytes out to that swap. And then bring it back into memory as you use those programs. Linux, I think, will do that a little bit, but pretty soon it's going to crash because... Linux can't have any of its operating system that, that it's actually going to use in swap. I mean, it, it starts to degrade horribly. OpenBSD, I don't really notice that much. I mean, there's like a, a two-second delay on launching a program or something as it's pulling it back from swap if it didn't have memory to store it. And then it's just running. You know, and it's down through. And um, it's, it's really more like a mainframe. Now, to turn to control swaps... You use a swap control, and it's a yeah, SWAPCTL. And when you type SWAPCTL, OpenBSD actually tells you um, what swap partitions you're using and where using the pseudonym. I have an SD0B, which is my main drive. Zero is my main drive. B is a swap partition, and it shows that I've got. Um, what is it I've got here? 10 gigs set up, and I've used, uh, I've got out there stored right now 507 megabytes for some reason. I'm not out of memory. It just decided to throw some stuff down there, I guess. I don't know what it was doing. And uh, it tells me what's available. It says that I've used 5% of the capacity, and it is priority, priority zero. Now, I have had three or four swap partitions from different USB drives hooked up when I booted up Fagulita accidentally. <laughs> and I, I ran that command, and it will tell you how much it used in each one of them because it uses them all, um, and it will give you the statistics on it. I don't remember if Linux even offers stuff like that. I'm trying to remember, but I don't think they'll tell you how much swap they put on each partition that you have a swap file. You know how much it's in use or the capacity or anything else. Swap off is the command in Linux that you use to turn off a swap file. And in OpenBSD, it's uh, 
going to be swap control and I think it's D yeah D and then the path dev slash SD0 swap control dash D and then the path slash dev slash SD0B would turn that off anyway you can also change the priority of the swap so that you can make uh, like a USB drive less priority than the main drive to speed things up and you, you have all kinds of controls here with OpenBSD it's like with a PF firewall I mean it's human readable it's not in, in an encrypted language in my opinion like at the Hammer 2 file system in OpenBSD they'll have an operating system that will beat any other on the planet <laughs> I'm serious I'm that prejudiced about it um, as far as functionality as far as speed goes and f as far as speed goes and offering new things, you know, I, I'm afraid that Linux will probably always beat FMBSD. I mean, if you want to be able to run an app image or um, a flat pack or snaps with Ubuntu, you'll always be on Linux. I noticed Linux Mint decided to pull out uh, snaps and snap D they were talking about it on freedom decrypted with Chris Wade I listened to his show if you listen to freedom decrypted he's the owner of think penguin the guy that I buy uh, some of my machines from I buy my machines from him because he makes machines that have free and open hardware so you don't have to use encrypted blobs and uh, you know this Lenovo is just one example of that with the Wi-Fi not working in it because it's it's another custom Wi-Fi that needs a, a proprietary blob that OpenBSD didn't happen to have in the firmware. So, yeah, I I prefer machines that, like the server I bought off of them, the uh, Penguin 9 desktop is how it was advertised, but it's actually a server now. I prefer machines that are set up that way because everything on it is supported by OpenBSD. Use everything on that laptop, uh, that uh, server. I can also use quite a bit on my Penguin J3 laptop that I bought off of him. Um, except for the touchpad on that one because he's got such a new setup on that. 6.7 now boots on it, but it doesn't support much else. Give it another year and, and the Penguin J3 laptop will be converted to OpenBSD and I'll get rid of Triscoll. I'm running Triscoll on it right now funny thing about Chris Wade is he did an audio uh, two or three weeks ago right after I bought thousand OpenBSD people and complaining that they're using OpenBSD it doesn't have good support for um, his hardware and I found that it the 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 number nine desktop there uh, is fully supported <coughs> <coughs> Wi-Fi card and all, everything. It's running right now and I'm using it at this very moment with this laptop. And everything's working great, so he gets a, he gets cranky at times. But he decided here in his last podcast that he's going to take Penguin Computing away from Triscoll. And I guess uh, he's going to wreck people that they install Linux Mint of all things so he's going to be installing Linux Mint on all of his new machines
because he feels that Triscoll's taking too long to release an operating system. And I have noticed that we've been on Triscoll 8 for quite a long time. I know Triscoll 9 is, is fixing to come out sometime this year, but he can't seem to understand what the problem is. Um, so when he shipped me this unit, he shipped me one with a Triscoll 9 CD that he created, a DVD, in the box. In fact, the unit was loaded with Triscoll 9, and I got rid of it to put Faguita on there, and then later opened BSD. So, uh, Faguita is also a good distribution to use just to plug into a laptop or machine to see what is supported. You know, if you load all the drivers with FW underscore update dash A and get all the drivers loaded from OpenBSD, you can walk around with that Faguita USB and, you know, plug it into whatever machine, boot it up, and just see if the Wi-Fi and everything works on it. And the touchpad, you know, it's it's a good operating system even just to test hardware to see if there's something you can install OpenBSD on. You might ask, why didn't I just install OpenBSD on this Lenovo? I could have. But then I wouldn't have had the portability. And you know, I think I'm done with installing OpenBSD on various laptops and desktops and then, you know, going through and maintenancing each one of them. You know, if I have to make a change, add software, whatever, it's so much easier for me just to do it on one of the laptops and then take that USB key disk around to the other five and replicate it or, or you know plug that just take that USB key disk with me and plug it into whatever laptop I want and it'll bring up the home directory and whatever I had so the only thing that changes from laptop to laptop is what's in my home directory essentially right you know I if I took a USB drive that copied the D drive which is the programs I've loaded then I could take the whole kit and the only thing that would change would be what you have in your home directory if I put the D drive on this SD card, I could just walk around with it and I'd have the whole kit. The only thing that changes from laptop to laptop, again, be the home directory and fiddle a little bit to hook up a new Wi-Fi card or something. You know, change a couple of configuration files, big deal. I mean, it's a whole lot better than hours of distro hopping, and I'm tired of that. I... I run all my Linux and FreeBSD and uh, other distributions in QEMU under OpenBSD now if I want to just have a look at them or play with something. Um, of course, I've got Triscoll on one laptop left, the, the one I bought from Think Penguin, and I use that too, and I also use QEMU on that quite a bit. I don't know, I might just leave Triscoll on that one because it is a really high-performance laptop, and Triscoll just flies on it. It just does. I mean, it's amazingly fast. It works six times faster than any other laptop I've got. So, uh, I'll just leave Triscoll on it, I guess. And we'll we'll see how long it takes them to, to upgrade from eight to nine. But anyway, I am really thrilled with Faguita. It's made my life so much easier, you know. I used to spend hours going through and playing with, you know, five different laptops and setting stuff up for people. And it's so much easier to have one that's all configured with all the software set up on it and ready to go. Just take that 
USB key disk. You know, I can I can make a a clone of what I've got on a USB key disk, D drive and all, uh, and walk over to the machine, and then all I have to do is worry about how to move the home data. You know, USB hard drive to do that, right? I just copy it off of the drive onto that, walk over to another machine and encrypt it and put it on. In fact, uh, a lot of people, they use um, SSH file system and they just walk around from one laptop to the next and they load their home directory from the server they created, which is something I thought about doing, but I don't have a 10 gigabit Ethernet in my house. OpenBSD does support 10 gigabit Ethernet and it's it's astounding. So all I have is Wi-Fi in this house. I've considered wiring it up, but it'd be a huge project, and I'm not sure that I need it. I really love the portability of Wi-Fi, and um, if I need a copy of everything that's on my storage drive in the server, I can just copy that to an encrypted USB portable drive, which I have right here, and then carry a copy of that around with me. You know, everything that I download... Uh, for the next week, I can just copy it, take it over to my laptop, and transfer 60 gigabytes of stuff and save my Wi-Fi bandwidth really quickly. So, um, yeah, this is so much easier a life. Um, and I, I did like MX19 or MX18 when I was using it. I thought that was very interesting, and I love the Puppy Linux. Um, even though you know that's not really a security operating system, it's sort of a toy. But I'm telling you, Fuguta is a very serious tool, and uh, I would recommend more people getting involved with it and uh, learning how to use it uh, and enjoying it. It's It's got most of the programs that you'd find in Linux. Of course, no flat pack snaps or app images, but uh, you know, it's got Handbrake in it, for instance. Uh, FileZilla, you've got two web browsers to pick from, Firefox or Chromium. Oh, Pledge is another thing that they've implemented in OpenBSD that I should talk about that most people know about that use OpenBSD, and that's um, the Pledge city is, is, is put into Firefox and Chromium to prevent them from roaming around on our hard drive. In fact, you'll find that your downloads are restricted to the download directory. You can't just download anywhere. And the browser can't read from anywhere either. It also cannot access memory anywhere it wants. If they try, the system will crash the browser. And I remember when we first implemented Pledge, uh, that's what happened to me. I happened to be using Chromium that day. This is a year or two ago. And I had, uh, I'm guessing an application loaded in Chromium that was trying to do something naughty and my browser kept crashing and it writes it to the system error logs when it does and what it was trying to do so I actually caught one of the applications running under Chromium trying to steal something from me anyway you don't have anything like that in Linux um, Actually, you do have operating systems that put applications in buckets. There's one that I can think of. But, um, again, security for security, I'll stick with OpenBSD.
You know, you have to wonder. They did put chromium in a snap here recently, and they talked about it. And I think that's a good idea. I really do. I don't know if they have a flat pack for it yet or not, or Firefox for that matter. I suspect the reason they don't for Firefox is it requires um, use of some of the system Damien's that Chromium does not because Chromium is more of a complete browser. But even in OpenBSD, Firefox is very secure. You know, the same thing can be said of that. It can't just go anywhere it wants in memory. Java can't do anything it wants. It can't comb your hard drive. It, it can only read and write to its own configuration files, that area. Uh, you'll find under Chromium there are certain applications that you can't even run uh, that do strange things that were made for Windows or uh, made to access your hard drive or maybe network in a strange way. And in my opinion, that's a good thing. That's a good thing because I don't want people... The number one way to break into a system as we all know, is through a desktop web browser in a corporate environment or you know, even at home. And web browsers are the toilets of the world nowadays. That's where everybody goes to potty. And that's another reason I'm using Faguita and OpenBSD. Um, you know, I'm protected. And you need to be protected in this environment. It's not optional. And uh, I, I, I kind of praise Ubuntu for putting Chromium in a SnapD, and I hope they eventually figure out a way to put Firefox in, if they can ever clean Firefox up. But Firefox is still kind of a, an old design, and it needs to be redesigned. It's got a lot of dirty nastiness, and it, it's hard to work with. They need to redesign that. And there's a lot of bright people over at Mozilla, and they need to to clean up and come up with a new Firefox and maybe give it a new name. Give it a new name, like Happy Hippo. You know, get away from Firefox. You know. Alright, that's enough for now. I think I'm enough. I've rambled on enough here, boys and girls. And I'm going to let her go. It's almost an hour. And in my opinion, an hour is long enough for any podcast. By the way, I'm also using, if you noticed, uh, the mic audio is different. I have a uh, a desktop Blue Parrot mic here that I purchased a year or two ago that I've been using with Linux. And I decided to plug it in OpenBSD, and guess what? It works. There's instructions for how to hook it up on the website. And uh, we're using it right now. Recording into Audacity, making a WAV file. And uh, it works just fine. And I, I don't have to jerk as much with this system as I did with Linux and Pulse Audio. If I plug it in, it's on this mic. If I unplug it, it's on the mic that's built into the laptop. It's just that simple, the way i got this set up. Plug it in, we're on the Blue Parrot. Unplug it, I'm on the desktop mic. I mean, why can't Linux be that simple? Because, you know, under Linux, I had to plug in the mic and then go over to Pulse Audio and select it and set volumes and all that craziness. I have hard code setted my volumes in the mixer control config file in Etsy on this and it's at the right volume that I need to record at for both the desktop and the laptop. I'm going to switch over uh, to the laptop mic and give you a few bars of that for just a second. 
hang on here. Alright, that's better. I think I'm back to normal. But anyway, that was a little taste of the idea pads built in mic. I guess I need to turn my volumes down even more. <clears throat> but it's it's certainly pretty hot, isn't it, boys and girls? Alright, we're gonna go ahead and conclude. It's uh, past fifty minutes now. Once again it's a pleasure. I would encourage all of you to try this and learn some OpenBSD. Don't just stick with Linux. Don't just stick with any particular operating system. In fact, the other cool thing about Fagoot is if, you're, if you are a Windows user or you like your Ubuntu, you can just run this from a USB key disk and get you an external hard drive, you know, external USB drive, a big one, and set you up an environment and not even destroy or touch Windows or Ubuntu. Never touch it at all. Run everything from memory. Four gigabytes of memory or more is plenty. In fact, eight is is quite a bit. If you if you have more than eight, uh, it's probably not needed. But you could really do some interesting things with it because Fugilta will take all of it. It'll take uh, 256 megabytes or 256 gigabytes of RAM if you got it. <laughs> I'm not sure what the limit on that is but it's quite a bit. Alright, take care boys and girls. I think it's time for the old Zen floater to go make a hamburger. Bye for now. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.